Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music, the podcast sharing the tales of brilliant minds in music. They all just happen to be female. I'm your host, Millie Cotton, and I am loving being back for a third season. This episode is kindly sponsored by Jägermeister, who recently collaborated with our guest for episode two, Nadia Khan, on their Meister series, which you'll hear more about later on in the episode. Nadia's been working in the music industry for nearly 20 years and has been on AIM's boards since 2017, and more recently was appointed AIM chair after nominating herself for the role. Nadia's own label, Control Records, is focused on spotlighting female talent, releasing artists including Lady Likes, Laughter and Lisa Mercedes. As a passionate activist for diversity, equality and inclusion, last year she launched Women in Control, a platform to empower and connect women and minority genders across the industry, with over 2,000 members and growing. Thank you so much for coming on Women in Music as a guest. I'm so excited to have you here. I kick off every podcast episode with a quick fire round. So if you're ready, <laughs> what was the last song that you listened to? Oh, do you know what? It was actually one of my artist songs this morning. Um, it's a female rapper that I managed. Just uh, listened to one of her tracks to kind of get it approved off of her um, EP. So obviously, yeah, working in the industry, I think... Um, I have to listen to a lot of my own projects a lot of times. So yeah, that was the last song. What's your favourite festival? Um, I've got really good memories of Reading and Leeds because, um, you know, my artist, uh, Letha Bizzle, has performed there a number of times and just really great experiences, like in just some of the craziest tents and just we've had some of the most incredible guests come on stage. So yeah, I'm really happy to see that festival back and excited to go back there. What was the first album that you owned? I think the first album I owned was So Solid Crew. Amazing. Um, yeah, so um, I, I remember the, before that, the first single that I bought was Kylie and Jason. So yeah, it's a massive swing to go from Kylie and Jason to um, So Solid. But yeah, that was the first album. Uh, what was the last gig you went to pre-lockdown? I think it was it was a No Mercy show in um, one of their venues, I think it was in South London somewhere. So it had loads of people on the lineup. I think Miss Banks was performing, Skepta performed, loads of different acts. So yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was such a long time ago. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm missing it so much, so, so much. And lastly, what is a song that reminds you of summer? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a hard one. I'll have to come back, I don't know. <laughs> we'll come back to that one. So congratulations on becoming the new chair of the Association of Independent Music. That's huge and so exciting. Um, so you've been in the industry for 20 years and you've worked as an artist manager and a consultant and also the founder of Women in Control. So what was your journey from your first role in music to where you are now? Yeah, so you, you, you mentioned I kind of joined the industry or started in the industry around 20 years ago. So I started in PR. That was like my first kind of break into the industry, kind of got work experience in a PR company and worked my way up through that company, really. Within two and a half years, I was managing 
uh, their mainstream pop department. And I was living in East London at the time, and it was around the time that grime was starting out as a genre. It was really getting a lot of heat on the streets. There was a lot of excitement around it. And um, because of where I was living, I was uh, born in East London originally. So I was kind of a lot around a lot of the upcoming MCs. And um, in my spare time, I was offering to do PR campaigns for them for free. Um, while I was doing my mainstream pop campaigns and dance projects that were like hitting the charts and getting to number one. So it kind of was a passion side project for me. And that led to kind of me finding my first artist, Lethal Bizzle, who uh, was my first artist that I managed. So I've been managing him for 16 years and I picked him up uh, then after meeting him. But I initially kind of, you know, met him because I was doing his PR. So that's kind of how I broke into the industry. I always knew I wanted to do management eventually, but I think management is such a personal relationship. You have to really build that and find that right artist that you have that connection with. So, you know, when I found and met uh, Bizzle, I felt that we were really aligned with our business goals and really believed in what he wanted to achieve with his musical career. So it kind of worked out and um, that's how I kind of got my first break. Yeah, amazing. And you also have record labels, right? or a record label? Yeah, so throughout the years, um, I think especially when I started out, you know, and, and working with a genre like grime, it was kind of shunned from in the mainstream industry. You know, I remember when I first picked up uh, Bizzle for management, uh, his song was banned from being played in clubs. Uh, he couldn't perform in clubs. So there was not many outlets that we could do. And, you know, when we were doing deals with major labels or approaching major, la major labels and talking to them, the conversations were very that, you know, grime is super niche and we're not going to give you huge budgets. So um, that kind of led to us releasing music independently and kind of driving us to want to kind of take uh, control of, uh, you know, what we're doing release wise and also be able to take control of our audience, our fan base. And we believed that there was a wider reach than what we were being told. You know, we were being told that, you know, there's only a small audience for you in London, potentially some in Manchester and Birmingham, but we believed that grime could go much wider than that. So, um, you know, that kind of really drove us to want to release independently. So that's when we started, you know, releasing music through our own record labels and uh, started running campaigns. And we had a lot of success doing that, you know, hitting midweeks of, you know, number five and number three without having any mainstream radio support. Um, and that kind of led to us kind of continuing it to, to kind of set up our own independent record labels. So we've got a few independent labels set up and we release different projects through them. And we've done partnerships with, um, you know, uh, different majors as well along the way. But independent uh, releasing is definitely at the root of everything that I've done. So to talk a bit more about being a manager and specifically a woman in grime, because grime is not, I mean, music generally, it's a boys club, right? We all know that. But like grime specifically... What are your experience of, experiences of being a woman in grime? I think, I, you know, when I came into the industry, I didn't think that there was any different barriers that I would have to face being a woman in the industry. It was only when I started working as a manager, or, you know, even in PR, I think there were some challenges as well. But I definitely found as a female in general, like look outside of grime for, for a second, but as a female, as a woman in the industry, it's, it's really hard to get taken seriously. And I have over 2,500 members and women in control. And I speak to a lot of women across the industry. And 
most women say that to me that you know in the early 20s when they're kind of starting to break out into the industry it's really difficult to be taken seriously and to be able to advance your career to the next level or make those business moves um, and be taken seriously doing that so I think that was the first big struggle for me you know I, I kind of just brushed over it and said yeah I, I got a break in PR and um, you know started managing Bizzle but it wasn't that easy you know his record label that he was signed to initially they rejected me they said that I was too inexperienced they didn't want me involved in his campaign at all so I really had to fight for my position and prove myself um, they, let, they finally eventually allowed me to stay on board to be his PR and then again three months later I continued fighting to prove myself that I was good enough to be his manager so I think being taken seriously is uh, is a big hurdle in the industry because you know it can knock a, a, a woman's confidence obviously you know we're obviously trying to progress our careers and we believe in what we're doing but when you're constantly just being sidelined or not um, noticed then you know you have to fight even harder so that was a big challenge kind of when I first started out and I think you know one thing uh, with me is just I always persevered I kept believing and stood up for myself as well um, but being a woman in grime I think it was just really really heavily male dominated and uh, I guess you know my experiences were just being surrounded by men constantly and being the only female in the room and then I felt that, you know, and sometimes I felt almost invisible, you know, like spanning my career, you're talking a decade of going to shows and not being able to get into shows because you don't fit into what they expect a manager to look like. I remember I did an interview on One Extra uh, a, a, like a year ago and I was talking about some of the situations I've experienced as a woman, just not being able to get into to venues. I've been kicked off festival stages or, um, you know, when I go into video shoots and have been assumed to be a stylist or, you know, people put you into these roles where they assume that I, go, I, I attend a, a TV show with my artist and they're like, oh, are you the assistant or are you the girlfriend or are you the groupie? So you always kind of get automatically put into those roles. Um, so I had to kind of really uh, fight out against that as well and kind of really learn to establish myself. So feeling invisible again, again was like a really big challenge that I had to overcome. And I think it ties in a lot to confidence within women. Um, and again, you know, I think that's a huge issue with lots of women that I speak uh, you know, uh, to across the industry about not having the confidence to kind of step forward and put yourself um, forward p positions which is why you know you mentioned the aim chair position that's why I felt it was so important that I go for that because as women we're I'm constantly speaking to women helping them get into different board uh, seats or in, in the boardroom and um, the same question always comes up like am I eligible am I ready to go for it and it's just actually like no you're completely ready and you have incredible value that you're going to add to that board um, so put yourself forward and and you can definitely do it so I wanted to practice what I preach, I guess, in a way, because when I published uh, the report last year, a seat at the table, and saw that there was only one other female chair across all the trade bodies, I felt that it was even more hugely important that I step forward, because if I didn't go for it, then by default, it would have gone to another man, and then those numbers aren't changing. So I constantly speak to women in the industry and say, put yourself forward for things, because if we are in those rooms, if we're having those conversations, we can give that perspective of what it's like to be a woman in the industry. And we can break down some of those issues that are kind of systemic within a lot of these organizations that they don't understand because they're not talking to a woman and getting that kind of perspective on it. Definitely. I feel like you've just answered so many 
three of my questions in one go, which is amazing. Uh, but so with the seat at the table report, why did you decide to focus on women in leadership roles? What about being a woman leader is so important within the music industry, do you think at the moment? I think, you know, sometimes when you're a woman working in the industry, you know, whether you're somebody like me that works behind the scenes or whether you're a musician, you can really feel overwhelmed. And as you look around, you, you can see that there's so many issues in the industry and you can feel really powerless and helpless and just feel like there's nothing that you can do. And, you know, when you start to like break into all the issues and say, oh, like there's only 19% of women signed to record labels or only 14% times to music publishers. And I did a report last year looking into uh, female artists played on the radio and male artists feature on 81% of all records. So it's when you start to look at these figures, it can really weigh down on you and go, oh, you know, this is, what can I do to change that? But actually, you know, it is about you stepping forward and having your voice heard and being a part of those conversations and speaking out. I think that, you know, one thing that really helped me or actually changed the game for me was when I started speaking out about my experiences or even sharing my experiences with others. It doesn't have to be publicly, but just talking out and saying, this is what I've experienced and I don't think it's okay. And then other people saying, well, I've had the same experiences. So I think it's about, that's the first step. I think, you know, being able to speak on it openly and talk about your, the issues and experiences and experiences that you've had and create some kind of wider awareness of it across the industry. Yeah, definitely. And you are definitely doing that, aren't you? Especially with your, your platform, Women in Control. Can you tell listeners a bit about your platform as well? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, you mentioned the Seat at the Table report. So um, I was going to just jump into that as well. Like with, um, with the report, so it kind of, uh, Women in Control, I started it around three years ago and it started really organically, kind of led from, um, my own experiences in the industry and kind of feeling invisible like I mentioned and also feeling like all these incredible women that I had the experiences of working with in the industry that they weren't getting shouted out about enough they weren't getting spoken about enough they weren't getting promoted and their male counterparts were so I wanted to kind of change that dynamic and change the conversation so it just started with me just posting other women on my social media and just actually just bigging them up and talking about why I thought they were great because there really is that culture of uh, as women we're not we don't shout about our achievements we don't big ourselves up enough we don't um, put ourselves out there and say look I'm great I can do this this and this you know um, so I thought that that was important and then I started kind of putting on um, my own events as well and I think for last year you know there's a lot of challenges that came out of you know last year with the pandemic and lockdown hitting and you know I'm a manager I run my own business and I was financially had a lot of projects you know be put on hold and paused but at the same time it was the first time in like 16 years 17 years or the whole of my career that I had that time to pause and I was able to put more time into women in control which is something I'm hugely passionate about and I really do want to make change across the industry so um, you know one of the first things I did was uh, kind of do the report seat at the table in July of 2020 and within that I kind of looked at the representation of women across 12 of the UK music trade bodies and you mentioned you know the leadership positions as well I think that's hugely important because I think without there being that change at the top we really can't see that change happening across the industry and there's so many issues and it's so widespread that you can just get lost in all the problems. So I think that that change is really important and um, I guess from, from there, you know, after the report I opened it up for membership and it was crazy. I had over 800 members apply 
you know, within the first few weeks, which was great, but it was really overwhelming because I really showed me how widespread this issue was. And I started to speak to a lot of the members at the end of last year and have group sessions and conversations. And these issues, we've all experienced them and they come up again and again and again. So there's just so much work that needs to be done for us to kind of move forward in the industry. So when you say issues, are you talking about being the only woman in the room or are you talking about bigger issues like, you know, sexual harassment within the workplace or, yeah? All of the, all of the above will tick yeah. every single box because I think there's, there's huge issues with uh, barriers for uh, career progression for women in the industry. And like I said, that starts when you join the industry and you struggle being taken seriously. Uh, if you, you know, want to have kids in the industry, you're penalised for that with, you know, there's a lack of flexible working or you get looked over for um, promotions. Um, and we lose women in the industry over the age of 35. So, you know, we don't support women in the industry. I speak to incredible women that work in the industry and have set up their own businesses and they've had to leave big corporations or organizations because they weren't getting supported or promoted in the right way so or they've had kids and they weren't you know being um, supported in the right way so they've gone and set up their own companies and are thriving and that's great but you know we are we do lose women in the industry and if you look at those figures across the industry whether you work again behind the scenes or whether you work as a as a musician it's increasingly tougher as a female to make money from music as well and I think that's a big root of um, the problem and that came across in all of the conversations so career progression being taken seriously and um, harassment unfortunately in every single conversation harassment came up so this is a huge issue that you know has only we've only scratched the surface really I think of of what's to come out in the industry on that because um, there's yeah there's a lot there's a lot of these issues underlying with so many um, women across the industry. So do you have more reports coming out that you're working on that you're picking different sectors to, to focus on? Yeah, like I said, if you just kind of look at the wider picture, it can be feel really overwhelming and really negative and just feel like you can't do anything to change it. So I think it's really important to focus in on different areas. So I've done a report last year which looked at the representation of women in the boardroom, that's seat at the table report. Then I followed that up with the women in radio report, looking at um, how female musicians are played on the radio. So, you know, some of the figures from that were shocking. Like I mentioned, uh, you know, male artists feature on 81% of all records in the top 100 most played songs in 2019, 2020. And uh, female producers only make up 2.7% of that. Female songwriters only 18%. And, you know, again, when you look at uh, female songwriters, they um, earn less than male songwriters. There's a huge disparity there of income as well. Um, uh, PRS, uh, the top 10 female songwriters in 2019, earned 70% less than the top 10 male songwriters. So, you know, this data is so important because it helps us to kind of really um, have those a grasp of those figures and be able to tell the story of what it's like being a woman in the industry without being dismissed or seen as nagging or seen as emotional. You know, the figures are there in, in black and white. Um, recently also released a report on women in radio and that was more focused on producers and presenters. And again, just that kind of culture that's in um, organisations in radio. And we had 
uh, we had to keep everybody anonymous again because people are scared of speaking out because they're scared of losing their job or you know being passed over for promotion so but we had contributors and, and spoke to over 100 women that work at BBC, Bauer, Global and the community radio station so all of the women that we spoke to uh, work in radio as their main job and some of those stats and conversations that we had were really shocking you know 39% of women have felt unsafe at work you know, 59% have felt that they um, have been unable to progress their career because of having children and that's had a negative effect on their career and over 84% feel that it's harder to progress your career as a woman. So, you know, this data is really important. It just helps us to kind of formulate what is going on in the industry and also a baseline to start like tracking it and seeing if things change in the future and how we can um, get those to change but it also creates a, a awareness and I hope sparks discussion you know on these conversations and on these issues so that we can talk about it and say well why is that and is that acceptable do you think that this is acceptable and if not what can we do about it or what can you do to change um, you know it's not about attacking and calling out people it's about just you know having those conversations yeah, definitely. I was looking into um, the gender pay gap, actually, because I thought that was going to come out. Yeah. But then it's not because they've not had to report because of COVID, which is, I mean, it blew my mind a little bit that it's not going to happen for this year. Oh, I didn't know that it wasn't coming out yeah. this year. I was... So I just, I literally just checked and um, it said that they, that basically organisations haven't had to report on their, on like their pay gaps because, because of COVID. <laughs> I guess it would get messy with furlough and stuff, but at the same time. It like, doesn't even make any sense, but yeah, no. because that happened last year and I know some companies still went ahead and published their reports, but what, what really concerns me about the gender pay gap is that, you know, we've been getting these figures now for the last four years, um, or this is the fourth year, and nothing changes, you know, these, these figures are shocking, they're like, you know, 30% disparity, I think the average is around 30%, um, you know, uh, women are paid 30% less, and nothing is done off the back of that you know i don't see any changes happening um these companies shamelessly report similar kind of figures year on year on year so i was really keen to see what the figures were looking like and you know if if everything that you know companies were talking about was just lip service or if they are taking positive action within the organizations to make change yeah i mean i hope i've got that right i think i do so it said that they're not reporting again until the 4th of october of this year um so yeah i'm not when I that's what I saw when I looked but it is it's super interesting and yeah I do wonder whether it's because like you said with the leadership roles and women dropping off as they get older so therefore people who like women who are at the low are like on a lower pay scale right so they're not progressing in those roles and making more money so that can yeah. explain for some of it but again why aren't women in those roles yeah, definitely. And there's a huge, you know, uh, even like the bonuses and, you know, this all this, even the kind of conversations about salary, this culture is, is very male dominated and heavily skewed towards um, men. You know, there's been a lot of research shown that women just don't like to have these conversations and, you know, ask for more money. I saw, um, I posted something on our socials where a guy had called out for marketing consultants and the men were coming in with like a double daily rate um, 
the women were asking for 400 pounds daily and the men were coming in 800 pound minimum so they're pricing themselves higher and i feel a lot of times as well with companies when they put out jobs and they just don't put the salary range it doesn't help as well because we know that this is an issue for women you know they don't um they undersell themselves and we kind of tend to come in lower and it's really hard to kind of understand the basis especially if you're a freelancer as well i think kind of understanding how you should be pricing and like not wanting to underprice yourself but not wanting to overprice yourself and get cut out so it is really really tricky but yeah we just need some more transparency there and some more support for um, women in the industry kind of you know you have to look at things wider you can't just look at things and say well okay well there's the there's the figures and that's it women just aren't getting paid more but what can we do about it you know can we we have to take into consideration those those factors and say well you know women don't ask for pay rises or um, what can we do as a company to change our language within our job roles to make it more inclusive and how can we make our workplaces more inclusive and make sure that we're having that representation at the top and unfortunately until organizations do that it's going to have to take us continuing to put the microscope on them and saying let's look at your senior team let's look at what your boardroom looks like let's look at who your ceo is let's look at who your chair is and and base your company reputation around that yeah, well, I guess that's what it comes down to, right? Because what else can you hold companies to apart from mm -hmm. reputation? Because if that's something that's going to make them look bad yeah, and make them exactly. change, because at the end of the day, how do you make how do you make them change if they don't really want to? So you and Women in Control have just collaborated with Jägermeister on their Meister series. And so for anyone who hasn't seen the video yet, can you tell us a bit about the collaboration? Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah, Jägermeister approached me, they're doing a series called the Meister series where they're talking to different trailblazers across the industry and they wanted to feature me and Women in Control, which I was completely honoured about. But, you know, I just think it's amazing to partner with brands and have opportunities like this because Women in Control is all about amplifying the voices of women, amplifying those issues and any chance that we can get to get more awareness and exposure on those issues and be able to talk about them is just always needed um so yeah it's just great to work with them so um you know they wanted they kind of really got me involved in the process of like how i wanted to you know get involved and talk about women control and how i wanted to present it so part of it i really wanted to share, share my own personal journey through the music industry of how mm -hmm. i started out you know that's a lot of the stuff that we kind of covered and talked about in our chat just now um you know like how i've grown through the industry through my career and some of those challenges that i faced but i also really wanted to shine a light on the women that are kind of the backbone of women in control because you know it's not just me there's a collective of us we all do the work together and we're all really supporting each other which has just been so beautiful to see so i really wanted to to spotlight some of those just a few of those um great women so i had um claire rose who's um on board as our community manager who i met um after she joined uh last year as uh, as a member and you know a lot of members were asking for this like community safe space where we could just continue to talk and and meet and share issues share opportunities um, and just kind of continue to network and grow and really change that culture of, you know, women, instead of being pitted against each other, actually working together and supporting mm -hmm. each other because, you know, once we come together, we just do incredible, incredible things. There's been so many great things have come out of the Women in Control community. So, you know, we've had, you know, job offers come through, collaborations, and um, it's just been so incredible to, to see that. So, yeah, we speak to Claire 
in the in the piece and just hear a bit more about her journey and then um, also got Jess Kangley included as well and Jess is our diversity advocate for women in control so you know she works in the industry she runs her own business as well so she's a female founder of her own uh, really successful music plugging business so she's doing really well with that she's also the co-founder of the Black Music Coalition independent arm and I met up with her last year when there was, you know, all this talk around diversity and it was when I was leading up to the seat at the table report and we just had a lot of shared views and opinions of the problems in the industry. So we really just instantly connected off that. She gave me a lot of support in doing the report because, you know, like we mentioned, when you're doing those reports and calling people out, you know, you are really putting yourself mm -hmm. out there and it's just so important that I have those people in the industry that have got my back, that I can call to, that I can get support from, to give me that boost to say, okay, I'm really gonna do this. I'm really gonna put the report out. Let's see what happens. Let's hope I don't get canceled. So, you know, Jess was a really huge part of that. And, you know, I speak to her regularly about issues across the industry and we're doing a big project together actually on harassment as well. So it was really great to have um, her included in that. And then finally, um, I had Laughter as well included in the piece representing Women in Control because she's our mental health advocate. So she's a musician and she's also a presenter. And during lockdown, actually, she taught herself to mix and produce. So that's really inspiring as well because there's not as many women in you know music production or in, in the tech side. Um, and also, yeah, it's like two percent, I think, isn't it? For, no, sorry to interrupt. It's like two percent for it, for women. In it is crazy. I think yeah, it's like literally. There's been some uh, the Annenberg University did some figures, and I think those figures correlated to some research that I'd done in the UK as well. And the numbers are around between two percent to two point seven percent. Mine, my research showed as well, which is just staggeringly like shocking, you know. So. Um, really inspiring to have her there, like really championing women, you know, doing it for themselves and making music, all aspects of, of music. And as a musician as well, I feel like, you know, there's so much pressure nowadays on artists, especially even more so with everything that's happened with Corona and the lockdown. So, you know, Laughter's a really big advocate talking about anxiety and, you know, um, encouraging positive mental health as well so she's really open about that and she runs a lot of sessions on women in control so you know there's so many different amazing women uh across the women in control that bring so much to the community but i just had you know a limited time so we just highlighted those three how was it discussing the difficulties that you face as women in music together on camera for jägermeister oh it's amazing like it's just incredible to get together and have those chats because you know like i mentioned to you i feel like we were all just living in, in silos and going through our own experiences in the industry and don't not sharing it with anybody and just taking all those pressures and burdens and just dealing with it and just accepting it as that's the way it is. But just talking about it and having that space to speak openly is just, it's so refreshing and it's just so cathartic because again, you know, you just realize that you're not alone, you're not going through this alone, and you're not crazy to be thinking these things like every other woman that you speak to literally nearly has a mirrored experience of yours. So, you know, I think we chatted for over an hour and a half. So I think we gave, yeah, the editors a hard job trying to get it down <laughs> because, you know, and they even enjoyed it. You know, all the crew that were there were just like, this was an incredible chat. We just, they were said, you know, we'd love to be able to put the whole thing out because it was just so, empowering and just hearing any woman's story you know in the music industry is just uh, it's just really empowering and inspiring to hear so yeah I loved it we could have just chatted on for for hours and hours 
What are you hoping to achieve from your collaboration? Well, it's just great to shine a light on these issues. It's just always great to just keep that momentum going and keep that message going about women in music. You know, we've just had Women's History Month and, and also International Women's Day. And it's great that we have those days to celebrate women, but it's not just about one day. It's not just about one month. I mean, yeah, I think I was really angry during the month of March after International Women's Day, after all the events that transpired the day after International Women's Day, the next day after, and it's like, it's very easy to quickly move on from these issues and just forget about it and say, oh, well, I cared about it last week, but now we, you know, we need to move on. And we're in such a fast paced world and content just is, is there and then it's gone. So it's just really important to keep spreading the message and anything we can do to amplify um, you know, the issues and get people talking about it and create some more awareness of it is really, really needed. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. Like the more the better, right? Yeah. So what has the best part of the collaboration process been? Do you know, it was just bringing us together. It was so lovely. We did a photo shoot with a few of the women from the piece as well. And, you know, that's really lovely. I think Women in Control is also about bringing women to the forefront that don't necessarily, you know, like speaking out in public, don't necessarily like getting their photo taken. And it's about encouraging them and saying, no, do you know what? Let's do this photo shoot. You're going to be great. You know, even myself, you know, I've, I've worked in the industry for 19 years, but I've just been behind the scenes. So it's that transition of learning to put yourself out there, putting yourself to the forefront. And I feel like I have to, you know, lead from the front or lead by example and say, well, I can do it. Come on, let's do it together. You know, it doesn't matter if you don't like the photo, we won't use it. It. so just you know inspiring that confidence in women so that was lovely just the both days of the shoot and obviously just getting together especially even more so in lockdown you know it was really nice to actually meet people in real life and even Claire Rose who's our community manager we'd never met in real life you know we just had connected over zoom after she joined as a women in control member so it was really nice to meet her so I think it was just lovely for them to be able to bring us together and have that conversation um, so that was a lovely experience for us but then to be able to talk about issues that are we're so passionate about and we care about and to know that a brand is giving us that platform and that space to just be free and freely talk about how we feel and want to kind of amplify that and you know create some more exposure around that is just incredible so it's been a really really lovely experience okay lastly where can everyone find the collaboration video yeah, you can find the video on Jaeger UK's YouTube page and it's across all my socials as well. So I've got links to it there so you can go and watch the whole piece and I've posted some clips up too. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. No, I think it's great. Yeah.